What song am I doing there, Brandon? <laughs> Back in Black. Back in Black. I had sex. So why would I be singing that song right now? Uh, well, could it possibly be because we're fucking back? Because we're back is the black part. Well, is this going to come out in September or October? September 30th, Brandon. Oh, so it's live. So it's not Spooktober. We're just back. We're not black. We're back. We're back. I'm Nick. He's Brandon. This is the Tennis Podcast, the show where one of us clowns brings a top tennis list on any given topic, brings some fun facts and trivia. The other does not know what that list is, and they try to guess right here live in your ears in absolute real time. Brandon, how are you? Did you say in your rears? I said, uh, yeah, that's what I said. What would you say? What were you going to ask? What did I do with my time off? No, I was just going to say I haven't talked to you since the millisecond we last stopped recording because... We're kind of like, uh, what's a TV show where the actors all hated each other, but they came together and had good chemistry on the air? Was Cheers like that? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, no. It's Three's Company. Three's Company's famous for that, isn't it? I didn't know. I didn't know that. Anyway, I, I believe Three's Company, the actors did not get along. That's us. That's me and Brandon. Yeah, except point. for the part we where don't. we text every day. Yeah. Well, how are you? What you been up to in this break? Nothing. Oh, I got the new uh, Avengers game on Xbox and it sucks. Oh, why? Uh, they're not a sponsor, are they? Marvel's Avengers for Xbox mm, and PlayStation. Let me check my notes here. Let me check my notes. No, not this week. No, for everybody who plays games out there, don't play Marvel's Avengers unless you like shitty games. All right, give us the 30 to 45 second rundown of why it's bad. Oh, everything about it. It's got like bad... On Xbox menu screen, they make you move a cursor like a mouse instead of just pressing like up or down around a menu. Would you like to use a menu by hmm. moving a, a mouse-like cursor around the screen? Now, would you say mouse-like, do you mean... Like a cursor, that, like cursor... for your mouse. Okay, but the way you said it made me think of a little mousey. No, not, a, little mousey, not a sweet, like a little... squeaky, squeaky mouse. A squeaky, cute. No, none of that shit. Oh, God. We're off the rails here. What's the fucking list? Yeah, okay. (laughs) This is not a video game Marvel review podcast, believe it or not. No, nobody gives a shit. Anyway, we're back in black and we are ready to rock and roll with... Walk and roll. uh, Rock and roll with episode 101 of the Tennis Podcast, Brandon. Yes. To tell you about today's list, I want to ask you first. I was looking at our past 100 episodes Mm -hmm. and I noticed a trend. We've done some deep dives on the following people. Jack Nicholson, Adam Sandler, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey, Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson, among others. What What do they all have in common? They're not women. They all have a winky. Right. Presumably. They're men. And we need to fix that. We need to talk about some ladies here today, right? Okay, who you got? I'm going to tell you about the top 10 most influential, important, significant women in history. Okay. This is a list done by BBC History Magazine, and I pulled my notes from historyextra.com as well as Wikipedia. Here's what it says. In 2018, we asked experts in 10 different fields of human endeavor to nominate 10 women each they believe had the biggest impact on world history. We then gave our readers the opportunity to vote for their favorite figures from that list. So, experts 
chose 10 women each, and then readers ranked those, all of those people. That's how we got our top 10 today. Okay. So, I mean, that's about as good as you could ask for, right? On a ranking like this, on a, you know, subjective ranking like this. You're asking experts and you're asking the people. Right. The people's opinion should count for something, but I also think experts. Like a lot of people might believe a myth, whereas an expert would be like, no, they shouldn't get credit for that because it's not true. Yes. The, the people are starting from a pre-curated list of only those that experts say should be voted upon. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like Ranker where you can just enter any option you want. Anyway, we're doing the top 10. Women who changed the world is what they call it. We're going to call it the most influential woman of all time. What do you think? How do you want to start? Hmm. I'm just going to start with guesses. Historical guesses. Is Cleopatra in the top 10? Cleopatra is number 24. Oh, whoa. Kind of low, huh? The bar is high. Is Oprah in the top 10? Ah, oh, I didn't even think of her. No, she's not. I have the top 25 in front of me and Oprah's not in the top not 25. Not in the top 25. But you know, I'll bet... <sighs> So, I'll say there's no one living in the top 10 or top 25. But if someone living was in the list, Oprah would probably have to be it, right? Yeah. So, okay. So, there's nobody living. That's helpful. Yeah. There's no one living in here. What about uh, Susan B. Anthony? No, not in the top 25. Okay. Joan of Arc. No, she's 27. Man, there's a real... Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No. Marie Curie. Yes. What number? Uh, eight. It's number one. She's number one on the list? I had... I'd... And once again... Sorry. You just fucking ruin the list every goddamn time. <laughs> now, half the people are going to be like, oh, I got number one. I don't need to listen anymore. See ya. Check you don't out. because number... They're going to miss our ads. Number... <laughs> Please listen to the ads. <laughs> We're saving all the yucks to the end. Yeah. Yeah, you got to stay for the yucks. Maybe I should, I should reveal a secret at the end of the episode so everyone stays tuned. Okay, please do. Brandon's going to reveal a very special life-changing secret at the end of the episode. You have to wait till the end. Maybe. Uh, Marie Curie. She's number one. She lived between 1867 and 1934. What do you know about Marie Curie? She was a science gal. Hmm. Did she study radiation? Yes. That's all I know. Okay, here's my quote. Marie Curie changed the world not once but twice. She founded the new science of radioactivity, uh, she even invented that word, and her discoveries launched effective cures of cancer. So, that's pretty big. Furthermore, she was not only the first woman to win a Nobel, Pri Nobel Prize, but she was the first female professor at the University of Paris and the first person, not just woman, but person, to win a second Nobel Prize. She won two of them. So, she's a big deal. Uh, those are pretty hard to get. Well, are they? The nomination isn't hard to get. I know Donald Trump was just nominated by some asshole recently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, does not mean he's going to get it. Marie Curie, she was born in Warsaw. Where is that? Like Alabama, I think? Poland. She studied physics at University of Paris, where she met her future research collaborator and husband, Pierre. Uh, was Pierre the skunk's name that always chased the lady skunk? You're thinking of Pepe Le Pew. Yes, Pepe Le Pew. I thought he was Pierre. Yeah, he was horny as hell. <laughs> he fucking was. That's sexual, uh, like, harassment for yeah, sure. Yeah, he, it's, if you look back at those, all he does is sexually harass and or sexually assault cats. 
I can vividly remember him holding her and like kissing her. And her struggling like, to get kisses. away and he just goes. <laughs> and her eyes are like huge and wide and she's scrambling and scratching to get away from him. Yeah, it's, mm. I bet uh, they're probably triggering for people who have been hurt. Let me ask you something. And this is going to sound like a joke, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any, you know how, um, you know, rape and sexual assault, domestic abuse, those are all... Uh, Super funny things to joke about. Well, no, but uh -huh. they are, uh, it's like a cultural, societal problem, right? Right. Uh, there's underlying reasons for it. Just like there's studies that show like there was underlying reasons that serial killers were so big in the 70s, right? Because of whatever. So, my question is, do you think that cartoons like Pepe Le Pew had any sort of like super subconscious impact on that? Because that was what, 50s, 60s when those were out, first out? Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Was Pepe Le Pew's sexual aggressive nature embedded into the very foundation of America's youth? Yeah, they didn't give a shit. Where... No, they didn't care about that stuff back then. I just watched, yeah. you know, you... I was wrong. I'm going to start out by admitting I was wrong about something. I didn't watch the documentary I'll Be Gone in the Dark uh, when it first came out. I did. Right. But I did go back and watch it and they talk about that. Like in the set, even it just in the 70s, they treated um, rape the same as they did just like, just like a regular old assault. Like, oh, well, that happens sometimes. Or she was asking for it. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It's terrible. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the yucks will be later. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of injustices today by men. Yeah, this is to stay, stay tuned for the, the yucks. And I don't know how the fuck we get... Oh, it's because I asked if, her, if Marie Curie's husband, Pierre, was the skunk, <laughs> which he's not. Uh, so, they married and together they identified two new elements, radium and polonium. Uh, polonium named after her native Poland. After her husband died, she raised a small fortune in the US and Europe to fund laboratories and to develop cancer treatments. She was a woman of action as well as enormous intellect. During the First World War, she helped to equip ambulances with x-ray equipment and often drove them to the front line herself. That's huge. It's weird thinking about x-rays in the war First World War. I didn't even know that was there then, did you? No, it had to be like, yeah, a very rare thing to get. Her genius was also her undoing because she became ill from all the radioactive materials she constantly handled. I think uh, my wife handles some radioactive materials too sometimes, am I right? Uh, Curie never like lost. Your, like your fucking testicles? Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody said that. That's what it sounded like, testicles. Okay. Well, all this radioactive shit killed her at age 66 in 1934. Yeah, she didn't, she's so smart. Why didn't she discover that it was fucking bad to hang out with a bunch of radioactive <laughs> stuff all the time? <laughs> I don't think it's that she didn't know. I think she, she was brave? took on that risk willingly. Uh, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, I wonder what it's like to be brave. Few more notes on her. She was known for her honesty and moderate lifestyle. She gave much of her Nobel Prize money to friends, family, students, and research associates. And in fact, Curie intentionally refrained from patenting the radium isolation process so that the scientific community could do research unhindered. Pretty uh, selfless. She insisted that the monetary gifts and awards be given to the scientific institutions she was affiliated with rather than her. She and her husband often refused awards and medals. And Albert Einstein himself reportedly remarked that she was probably the only person who could not be corrupted by fame. Marie Curie, the most influential woman of all of history, according to whatever. 
Yeah, but... BBC History Magazine. How much can she bench press? <laughs> right. And how she look in yoga pants, right? Right. Uh, well, I knew her name and I knew something about radiation. So, I feel like I learned a little bit there. Speaking of learning, let's learn my next guest. What about... Let's learn it. Sally Ride. No, who's that? She's the first woman astronaut. No, not in the top 25. And now think about it. First woman astronaut is definitely cool and impressive and it's a great moment for like women, quality and all that. Yeah. But it's not a moment that like shaped humanity yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like Marie Curie developed cures for cancer and... Mary okay. the mother of Jesus. I, I was wondering if you were going to go there or not. Uh, uh, Mary Magdalene. No, 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 not Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the prostitute. Yeah. The Virgin Mary. The sex worker. The opposite of Mary Magdalene. Virgin Mary is number 12, the mother of Jesus. She gave birth to the Lord and she can't crack the top 10. This does say she was probably the most famous woman in history and I'm guessing she'd be higher except that a lot of people don't even think she existed or if she did exist that she did what is claimed of her. Right. But, and if she didn't do that, then she did nothing else noteworthy, so. She stayed a virgin. Hmm. Give big ups did for she? that. Yeah, did she though? What about Florence Nightingale? Florence Nightingale is number nine. What can you tell us about Florence Nightingale, Brandon? Didn't she invent like the Red Cross and invented being a nurse? Invented being a nurse, yeah. Do you know what time she lived? The 1880s or 1890s. No, the Civil War. So, nurses had not been invented until the Civil War time. Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah, she was in the okay. Civil War. No, she was not because she was not an American. No. Why would she be in the Civil War? Well, she should have been over here. It would have helped a lot. Where was she at? She was in jolly old England between 1820 and 1910. And uh, I don't have anything about the Red Cross in here, but she did. Uh, I might have she was not a, known that because I'm a stupid man. I'm a pig. Stupid, yeah, I'm a stupid adult man. <laughs> Florence Nightingale was an English social reformer, statistician, and the founder of modern nursing, not all nursing. Mm -hmm. Nightingale came to prominence while serving as a manager and trainer of nurses during the Crimean, Crimean War in which she organized care for wounded soldiers. She gave nursing a favorable reputation and became an icon of Victorian culture, especially in the persona of the lady with the lamp, making rounds of wounded soldiers at night. Did she have anything to do with, you know, tipping people off like, hey, you know, if you're covered in dirt and wounded, you should get the dirt off of that. Or you shouldn't wipe your butt mm. and then do surgery on someone. Like, you should wash you your hands. I think of typhoid sometimes. Mary. No, typhoid Mary uh, no, she should be on spread this list. the typhoid. No, I know. She, I'm saying Florence Nightingale should have uh, consulted with typhoid Mary about the dangers of pooping on your hands stew. and then cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think they kind of had that stuff understood. Well, I was about to say they had that stuff kind of known and understood by the 1800s, but wasn't Typhoid Mary from the 1800s? Yeah, they so. didn't figure that out until like the late 1800s, early 1900s, I think. Yeah. Somebody got out a microscope and saw little germ yeah. elves. <laughs> figured yes, out. They saw germs with elves inside of them. <laughs> figured out like, oh shit, you got to wash these guys off. You can't have elves running around all over you. Mm-mm. Yeah, so how smart could these uh, Florence Nightingale 
and nurses of the time B if they couldn't even figure out to, to wash the shit out of your wound. I bet she figured that out. Well, get this. Recent commentators have asserted that Nightingale's uh, achievements were exaggerated at the time. But critics agree on the importance of her later work in professionalizing nursing roles for women. She did a whole bunch of stuff. She has awards named after her. And a bird. And a bird. The Florence Nightingale Medal is the highest international distinction a nurse can achieve. And the annual International Nurses Day is celebrated on her birthday. She helped abolish prostitution laws that were harsh for women. She advocated for better hunger relief in India. And she was a pioneer of data visualization with the use of infographics, effectively using graphical presentations of statistical data. That's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. And according to every picture of her taken ever, she wore a doily in her hair all the time. The fuck is a doily again? It's that little lace thing that old ladies keep beneath candy dishes. Let me see this. See, she's got a doily on her head all oh. the time. Yeah, lace. Well, wasn't that just a little lace thing. Style of the day. That was the look. Yeah. And I didn't know this till just now. She was actually born in Italy, but all of her uh, work was in uh, Great Britain. Do you ever think style will ever go like regress backwards? Like instead of tattoos and pierced nipples, it'll go back to like putting a doily in your hair? Yes, I do. Cool. Can't wait. Uh, and she died at age 90 in 1910. I didn't know people could live to fucking 90 back in those days. She must have practiced what she preached. Yeah, here's a picture of her uh, very old. And guess what she's got around her head? Doily. Lace doily. Does she have pierced nipples like you were saying? Yeah, you can see them through this sheer top she's wearing. Hmm. They're pierced. It's hot. All right, we're going to move on from that. So you got nine is Florence Nightingale and one, because you ruin everybody's fun, is Marie Curie. Now, what else you got? How about Mary Shelley? Mary Shelley is someone I would not have guessed, but she is on here, number 21. Oh. She, so, Mary Shelley is the author of many books, including Frankenstein. Yeah, she invented Frankenstein. It's funny that a book can be so famous and influential that it can get you in the top 25 most important women in history, like above Joan of Arc and Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to take it away from her, but I don't, maybe I don't understand what it was about Frankenstein that was so big or was it because like she was one of the first female offers to make it big with in the horror genre she definitely was uh, but i think it's not just frankenstein itself i think it's everything she and frankenstein did for just writing in general yeah all right so that's 20 but mary shelley's mother is in the top 10 what really mm -hmm. i don't know who her mother is different last name well, I actually looked up Mary Shelley's Wikipedia article, so I'm staring at her name right now. I guess I should say it because I wouldn't have otherwise known it. Well, how else are we going to get to it? Either you tell me <laughs> this is other Just than... Just fucking say it. I mean, you are seriously like... What am I supposed to do? I wanted to look up Mary Shelley since she's not in the top 20. I didn't know her fucking mom was one of the other guesses. Mary Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft. Mary is number eight. Mary Wollstonecraft, mother of Mary Shelley. What are the odds? Since you're looking at it now, why don't you tell us? Tell, you would tell the folks at home about her? Yeah. She was born in 1759 and lived to the ripe old age of 38. Oh, shit. That's my age. Hmm. But 
and what she this died. Is really of. old. Let me find out. I gotta find out what she died of. I'll tell you. Don't don't spoil it. I got. I'm gonna tell you more about her. Okay, I won't. Look. Mary Wollstonecraft. She uh, was in the 1700s. She was a writer, philosopher, and advocate of women's rights. And she's regarded as one of the founding feminist philosophers. And feminists often cite both her life and her works as important influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's interesting about her, besides the fact that she's the mother of the author of Frankenstein, is that until the late 19th, uh, sorry, late 20th century, Wollstonecraft's life, which encompassed several unconventional personal relationships at the time, hmm, we're going to get to that, received more attention than her writing. In other words, people like to gossip more about her than her important work and writing. Isn't that just people? People are the worst. She was kissing somebody? They like to gossip about her. Yeah, let's hear all about that. Well, we're going to get back to that. Let me tell you about her work that earned her a spot on this list. Okay. Uh, she wrote a book called A Vindication of the Rights of Women in 1792. It was seen as one of the foundational texts of modern feminism. And written against the backdrop of the French Revolution, it argued for the equality of women to men. She argued that women are not naturally inferior to men, as it was believed at the time. Isn't that wow. Fucking, isn't that fucking ridiculous? But what do you expect when people... I mean, it all comes from, like, religious texts saying shit like that. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked on that. She argued that women are not naturally inferior to men, but appear to be only because they lack education that men receive. It's a fair, accurate point. Sure. She suggests that both men and women should be treated as rational beings and imagines a social order founded on reason. Who wants a social order founded on reason? Blech, nerd shit. Nerd alert. Now, let's get to the saucy stuff. After two ill-fated affairs with some people you don't know, Wollstonecraft married the philosopher William Godwin, one of the forefathers of the anarchist movement. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wollstonecraft died at the age of 38, leaving behind several unfinished manuscripts. She died 11 days after giving birth to her second daughter, Mary Shelley, Frankenstein author. Yikes. She died because of her birth to her daughter. Oh, well, that'll probably make you totally normal growing up. She died of septicemia on September 10th, which was... She got the sepsis. She took the sepsis and died on a Tuesday. What is a septis? Sepsis? Uh, It's like you got shit in your blood or something. You're septic. Mm. You're gross. I don't know. You got got gunk in you? You're gross. Hang on. Are you reading from a medical journal right now? You got gunk in you and you're gross. (laughs) (laughs) Sepsis. What is it? Potentially life-threatening condition caused by the body's response to an infection. <laughs> so, the doctor doesn't look at you and say, Ugh, you got some gunk in you, gross, Yeah, grossy. it's a bacteria infection in your bloodstream. <laughs> that's bad. Well. You don't want that. She died of that. Yeah, that's bad stuff. You don't want sepsis. Uh, and you do want my last bullet point on Wollstonecraft, which says... If, if someone ever that's... comes up to you and says, Would you like an orange dreamsicle? Or sepsis, hmm. pick the orange dreamsicle. Is that a thing? An orange dreamsicle? What is a dreamsicle? It's uh, just a kind of popsicle. You're creeping us out. Whatever it is, don't pick so much sepsis, about popsicles. just pick the other thing. Well, what if sepsis is better than the other thing? What if the other thing is brain cancer? Well, they don't have a brain cancer named dreamsicle. Continue. All right. Wollstonecraft has what scholars labeled in 2002 a curious legacy that has evolved over time. For an author-activist adept in many genres, up until the last quarter century, Wollstonecraft's life has been read much more closely than her writing. So, it's just 
Reiterating what I said earlier, people were much more fascinated with her personal life than her writing. Why? Was she... That's number eight. Hooking up all the time? Yeah. She had a bunch of affairs, remember? I told you. Well... Which, it's not that big a deal. I think it's just at the time, you know, only men could have affairs and when a woman had an affair, they thought it was scandalous. She liked to bone down. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with it. Whoa. Hold on. I got to read something. I just, so I just scrolled down all old Mary Wollstonecraft's Wikipedia page and like... An awesome name, by the way. A couple lines just jumped right out at me and I feel like we need to cover this. She became pregnant by somebody. In 1794, she gave birth to their first child named Fanny, uh, naming her after uh, her close friend named Fanny. Wollstonecraft was overjoyed, she wrote to her friend. My little girl begins to suck so manfully that her father reckons <laughs> saucily on her writing the second part of The Rights of Woman. What? She wrote the book, you know, Vindication on the Rights of Woman. Women. And she was telling her friend in the letter that the little girl, the baby, suck, begins to suck so manfully, in all capital letters. Oh, manfully. Yeah, Ugh. manfully. Yeah. Christ almighty. Well, she wasn't known as a writer, was she? Yeah, she was. Jesus Christ. She was. That's what she was famous for. Suck so manfully. Yep. That's kind of, you sucked that hot dog down manfully. Mm-mm. Okay, was there anything else you wanted to distract us with? No, I just saw sucked so manfully and had to figure out what that was all about. That should be the new tagline for our show. Tennis podcast, it, it sucks, sucks so, so manfully. manfully. If you're going to suck, at least suck manfully. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or womanfully because oh, guess, yeah. we Sorry. believe in equality here. Okay, so continuing, continuing with equality, how about... That's a big hint also. Oh, equality? Yes. Fucking Aretha <laughs> Fuck Franklin. Uh, no, that's a good, that's not a bad one though. Sure, uh, Rosa Parks. Yes. What number is Rosa Parks? Six. It's two. Oh. And because America is so prosecuted and uh, in today's world and because uh, Americans are so mistreated, Rosa Parks is the only American citizen in the top 10. Uh, well, it's, it's good representation. Rosa Parks lived 1913 to 2005 in the good old US of A. And she's famous because in 1955, she, uh, Rosa Parks was an African American living in Montgomery, Alabama. And she challenged the race segregation that existed in much of the US by refusing to give up her seat on a bus so that a white person could sit down. If you live in America, we've all heard this story uh, in school, and Rosa Parks deserves a spot in the top 10. Like I said, she's the only American in the top 10. Her protest was supported by many other African Americans and sparked the civil rights movement, which in the 1960s eventually won equal rights. Brandon, for uh, the folks at home, especially those that might not uh, be as familiar. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I just sure. want you to tell the folks at home what segregation was like in the 50s. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Well, I've done a lot of research on this. Just the broad, the broad strokes. Yeah. We had, well, the, uh, things were supposed to be separate but equal between uh, white people and black people, but they obviously weren't and all, uh, yeah, they said you can't come in here or like uh, there'd be a sign that said whites only 
There, I remember uh, seeing a sign on like a whatever it was. Like they used to have a store. Like you, like the like white people would go in the front door, and then like black people had to go in. It's like they would put a purposely put a crappy rickety s side door on, and be like, well, that one can be for black people. Yeah, it's uh, it was all a farce that everything was equal. It was separate, but not equal. So black people had their own schools versus white people. They had separate drinking fountains, separate bathrooms, all that stuff. Because white people at the time could not dare interact. Right, with... like you couldn't sit at the counter, at the diner, or at the uh, front of the bus. And that's right. what the, the bus, bus thing is about. They were like, hey, got to get up. This, this fat asshole white lady wants to sit down. And she said, uh, how about you can all... Well, she didn't say, how about you can all kiss my ass. <laughs> 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 I think she was more polite than that. I don't... <laughs> I don't want to put words in It was not mouth. a white lady, the white man. Oh, anyway, but, she you know, was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And all of this sounds so ridiculous, how stupid it is that black people and white people have separate everything. Sounds dumb, right? Like, how was that ever a thing? But definitely was, you know, white people have a big, great history of mistreating people of other races, especially black people. And unfortunately, in 2020, it's still happening today. And uh, it's including from the very top. So, good times. There's my, yeah, good times. Okay, so Rosa Parks, let's tell the story here. At the time of the incident that made her famous, Rosa Parks was employed as a seamstress at a local department store and was secretary of the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP. Although widely honored in later years, she also suffered for her act. She was fired from her job and received death threats for years afterward. So, what happened that day? After working all day, Parks boarded the Cleveland Avenue bus. Uh, this is in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, this was around 6 p.m. in December 1955. She paid her fare and sat in an empty seat in the first row of black seats reserved for blacks in the, quote, colored section. So, she sat in the right spot. Well, you know. Well, right according spot, to their rules, sure. Yeah. So, near the middle of the bus, her row was directly behind the 10 seats reserved for white passengers. As the bus traveled along its regular route, all of the white-only seats in the bus filled up. So, the bus driver got up and I'd went be like, to oh, the... I guess no more fucking white people are going to fit on this bus then, are they? <laughs> it's basically what you think happens, happens. The bus driver gets up and tries to move the sign back a few rows so that more white people can board. And he moved the colored section sign behind Parks and demanded that four black people give up their seats in the middle section so that the white passengers could sit. Parks said, when the white driver stepped back toward us, when he waved his hand and ordered us up and out of our seats, I felt a determination cover my body like a quilt on a winter night. By Parks' account, the bus driver, his last name was Blake, said, y'all better make it light on yourselves and let me have those there seats. Three of them complied. But Rosa Parks said, the bus driver wanted us to stand up, the four of us. We didn't move at the beginning, but he says, let me have these seats. And the other three people moved, but I did not. The black man sitting next to her gave up his seat as well. Parks moved, but toward the window seat. She did not get up to move to the redesignated colored section. Parks later said about being asked to move to the rear of the bus, I thought of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old African-American who was lynched in Mississippi that year after being accused of offering, uh, of offending a white woman in her family's grocery store, whose killers were tried and acquitted, and I just could not go back. The bus driver said, why don't you stand up? Parks responded, I don't think I should have to stand up. The bus driver called the police to arrest Parks. When recalling the incident in 1987, 
Park said, when he saw me still sitting, he asked if I was going to stand up and I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, if you don't stand up, I'm going to have to call the police and have you arrested. And I said, you may do that. (laughs) Which is kind of badass. Yeah. When Parks refused to give up her seat, she was arrested. As the officer took her away, she recalled that she asked, why do you push us around? And he said, I don't know, but the law is the law and you're under arrest. Well, he's just a fucking obedient little bootlicker, wasn't he? Parks was charged with a violation of segregation law, and although technically she had not taken a white-only seat, she had been in a colored section. Edgar Nixon, president of the Montgomery chapter of the NACCP and leader of the Pullman Porters Union, and her friend Clifford, uh, whatever, those guys bailed her out of jail. So yeah, that's the main story, and I thought it was interesting, a note here that uh, Rosa Parks lived all the way to 2013, and so she was able to live long enough to see Barack Obama become the first African-American U.S. president. What year did she die? 2013. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, no, I'm... S- yes, wait, is that right? I thought you said 2005. Yeah, 2005, sorry. Uh, sh- uh, sorry, I-, I, got- I got my note mixed up. Four years after her death, right. Barack Ob- Obama became president. So, she didn't live quite long enough to see it, but uh, her legacy helped. You know, <laughs> she, that she lived just long... <laughs> she lived the right amount of time to be like, well, at least Bill Cosby was an excellent... <laughs> Model, Role model for young for, black yeah. men. <laughs> she died knowing that. <laughs> yeah, you don't think about shit like that, huh? All the people that die thinking one thing and then the other thing turns out to be true. Life's funny. She died at age 92, so mm-hmm. she lived a nice long life. She never had children and she only had one sibling who she outlived, so she has no, you know, direct uh, relatives. She was survived by her sister-in-law, bunch of nieces and nephews, cousins, etc. So, that's Rosa Parks, number two. How about Jane Austen? No. What did Jane Austen write, Brandon? I don't know. Little Women? No, that was Louisa May Alcott. Jane Austen I think Jane Austen was uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice and, I don't know, something like... Scarlet uh, Letter, maybe? Something like that? Some Lock It Hot? Yeah, no, I think she wrote uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, or at least maybe the sequel. Not Some Like It Hot, As You Like It? Is that one that she wrote? Well, we're all enthralled with this guessing game you're doing with yourself. No, that's uh, fucking Shakespeare. Jane Austen's number 13. Yeah, she wrote all that fucking shit. You're missing a huge name. What do you mean, missing a huge name? You're missing a huge name that I bet most people would have been like their first or second guess. I said Oprah, right? Yeah. Hmm. Madonna. No. Mother Teresa. Yeah. She's important, right? Is she in the top 10? I guess she's, she's important. number 20. Wasn't she full of shit? Wasn't she cruel? Yeah, I don't, I don't know all the details, but I've definitely heard that she was kind of a... Yeah, I don't like not her. Not a nice... But uh, yeah, she did a bunch of charity shit and she's number 20. I heard she was a butthole. I mean, she did good stuff too. Let's not discount that. She like helped millions of people. I don't know the full story behind her. Whatever. She's number 20. Can she hit a three? Well, uh, yeah. Like a basketball? Mm-hmm. Whatever. How about Queen Victoria? Queen Victoria is number 17. So, let me tell you some hints on the top 10. Amelia told- Earhart. No, that's 16. She was the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic and over the next five years can you to break speed and flying records. Did you know that she disappeared on a flight and she was never found? Yeah, you didn't know that? I guess I forgot. Yeah, somewhere in like the South Pacific. Yeah. 
Yeah, they never found her. Except I think there's evident, like a lot of evidence that she just crashed. She's dead. <laughs> oh, you don't fucking say, Brandon. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that that was sixteen. The top ten. Rosa Parks was the one American, and number one was Marie Curie, who was Polish, mm-hmm. um, and did a lot of work in France. The rest of the top ten have one thing in common, and that is they are all British. Oh boy. <laughs> I wonder, this list does seem a little biased to me. Don't forget it was done by the BBC History Magazine. But yes, they're all British. I think all British ladies. You probably haven't heard of a few of them, but you've heard of definitely a few of them too. Hmm. Theresa May. No, who's that? She was their prime minister. Oh, well, there is another prime minister in the top 10. Margaret Thatcher. Yes, Margaret Thatcher is number six. She's the prime minister in the 70s or 80s. 1979 to 1990. God damn, I'm good. She was the longest serving British prime minister of the 20th century and the first woman to hold that office. What number was she? Six. Isn't it crazy that the United Kingdom had a female prime minister in 1979? Yeah. And look at America, which is supposed to be this progressive... We've gone backwards. (sighs) Yeah, we have. If there is a spectrum... And on one end of the spectrum is a woman, and in the middle is a man. Donald Trump is the one that's on the other end. In fact, until 2008, we had nothing but white dudes, and we're back to a white dude. And we have, by the end of this next election, we'll have another white dude, or the same white dude. So, anyway, you can see why people like, who was it, Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein? (laughs) Wolf Blitzer? What was that one? The one we covered, uh, Wollstonecraft. Oh, yeah. Remember she wrote about all that shit about how men suck? Yeah, so it's not, not hard to no, see. No, about sucking manly, manfully. Yeah, she, well, she did that too. Yeah. Margaret Thatcher, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, longest reigning one in the 20th century. She implemented policies known as Thatcherism, which is, uh, I looked that up, Thatcherism. It's a predecessor to um, making your booties clap, making your butt checks clap. Yeah. Did you... Wow, it's like you pulled that straight from Wikipedia. So, it's, it's like twerking. Yeah. Thatcherism is like yeah. twerking. Margaret Thatcher was known for that, especially in her later years. Um, you know, she lived to uh, 90-something. Everybody so. get your butt out, start doing some Thatcherism. Uh, her popularity in her first years of office waned amidst recession and rising unemployment. She survived an assassination attempt uh, in 1984. Oh, I didn't know that. But she did achieve a political victory against the National Union of Mine Workers in the 1984-85 minor strike. She was re-elected for a third term by a landslide, but her subsequent support for the community charge, or also known as poll tax, was widely unpopular, and her increasingly Eurosceptic views on the European community were not shared by others in the cabinet. She resigned as prime minister and party leader in November 1990. And although a controversial figure in British pop culture, she is nonetheless viewed favorably in historical rankings of British prime ministers. Brandon, could you name five British prime ministers? I'm going to try. Theresa May, Margaret Thatcher, Tony Blair, uh, what's his current dickhead's name? Boris? Lou Ferrigno? No. What's his name? Boris? What's his dickhead's name? Uh, I think it's Boris Norris, right? Boris Johnson? He has that fucking stupid ass hair. I don't know anything about him, but based on his face alone, he looked, I'm not going to vote for him. He's a stupid face and hair. I've saw, I saw this one thing where he was about to go on TV and his hair looked normal and he was like, oh wait, hold on a second. And he made himself look like he has special needs and then he's like, roll it. 
And we do love our special needs listeners. Yeah, I, but he made especially made himself look like he was just purposely like he just couldn't help himself. Well, let's be honest. If you're named Boris, you're at a disadvantage from day one. Sorry. Not a lot of hot Borises out there, are there? Yeah, I was going to say, can you imagine any Hollywood hunks? Imagine if uh, Jason Momoa was named Boris. Oh, and Winston Churchill. There you go. There's five. Uh, okay. Well, I'll bet you can't do six. Nope. <laughs> You're right. Margaret Thatcher died at the age of 87 in 2013. What did she die of? Stroke. Motorcycle accident? Uh, twerking too hard. Uh, no. Thatcherizing too hard. She uh, threw her thatch out. Oh, my God. Queen Elizabeth attended her funeral. It's the only funeral of the prime minister that she attended other than Winston Churchill. That is Margaret Thatcher number six. That seems high to me. I don't know. Women of all time? I don't know. Who else you got? The rest are British, huh? Yep. And it's not Theresa May? Nope. There's no more prime ministers. Do you know who the other ones are? I mean, obviously you know now, but did you know? I wasn't like super familiar, but I, I knew of two or three of them. And you need number 10, number 7, 5, 4, and 3. Jesus. So, let me give you a hint. Uh, wait, what's her ass? From, uh, she wrote uh, Mysteries and went cuckoo bananas. What's her ass? Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. Is not in the top 25. Let me tell you some surprising omissions from the top 25. Some of them you've already said. Dolly Parton. Joan of Arc. Is number 27, Dolly Parton's a good one. Anne Frank, mm-hmm. that's a huge one, right? I'm, uh, Susan B. Anthony, Harriet Tubman, Mother Goose. Think of how influential Wait, Mother Goose is. Was there a Mother real woman named Goose? Yes, she wrote nursery rhymes. Just like Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, that's why Dr. Seuss named himself that. What the fuck? There was a, re- I thought Mother that Goose. was just like, like Mother Nature, they just gave a name to some bullshit. No. Mother Goose. This oh, is wait. imaginary author. <laughs> Fuck. Well. I knew I was right. God damn, I'm always right. <laughs> no. Mother Goose. Uh, this picture of her, I mean, she does have a hell of an ass. Uh, okay. So, Mother Goose. Uh, Lizzo is not in the top 25. No. Nope. Bette Midler. Elaine Bennis. Honey Boo Boo. Uh, but uh, for a real one that's not in 25, Marilyn Monroe. I know she was just like a celebrity actress, but she is super important and influential in history. Yeah, if Oprah I mean, didn't make it. She's got to be, I think Marilyn Monroe has got to be the most famous like celebrity female, right? Someone that got their fame from being, from just like entertainment. Let me give you 25 through 11. 25 is Elizabeth Fry. She led campaigns in the Victorian period to make conditions for prisoners more humane. Mm -hmm. 24 is Cleopatra, the final ruler of Egypt's Ptolemaic dynasty. 23 was Vera Atkins. She did some military shit. 22 was Catherine the Great, Russia's longest ruling female leader. Russia has had a female ruler and the United States has not, so... Mary Shelley was 21. 20 was Mother Teresa. 19 was Mary Seacole. Let's see, what did she do? Something about a nurse during a war. Josephine Butler is 18. She brought into open discussion in Victorian Britain the double sexual standard that existed in a male-dominated society. 17 was Queen Victoria. 16, Amelia Earhart, the uh, first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. 15, you haven't guessed her, Princess Diana of Wales. 
Oh, yeah. She's 15. 14 is Budisha, Burdika, Budessa, queen of the Asini tribe during the Roman occupation of Britain. 13, Jane Austen. 12, Virgin Mary. 11, Eleanor of Aquit- Aqu- Aquitaine. Yeah, easy for God, you I'm to say. Making my, I'm making some enemies. Eleanor of Aquitaine. 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 <laughs> I fucking can't say it. Aquitaine. What the hell? Aquitaine. Aquitaine. That's got to be it. Eleanor of Aquitaine. What's going on? <laughs> oh, man. I pulled a Thatcher and had a stroke. So now, let me give you a hint on number 10. British. Died in 1958. Author. Paleobotanist. Campaigner for eugenics and women's rights. Wait, she was for eugenics? Yes. Well, that's not good. She made significant contributions to plant paleontology and coal classification. It was the first female academic on the faculty of the University of Manchester. It's Marie Stopes. Oh. You've heard that name, right? Yes. Well, she was controversial. I, we'll, we'll get to the eugenics stuff, but she was a key figure in publicizing her cause. The first birth control clinic was set up in a poor working class area of North London in 1921, and she brought to women worldwide the opportunity for planned pregnancies. Okay. So, planned pregnancies was not a thing until 1921. Doesn't that seem like so late? (laughs) Yeah, well... And now, planned pregnancies have been around for a hundred years, and the population's bigger than ever. You could pull it out. Yeah, no, I think that's what... I mean, it helps. I think that's what she taught. Yeah, so go ahead and tell folks about the pulling out method, Brandon. How's it work? I can't tell you that. I can't discuss that on the Blue Wire Network. Okay, yeah. That's where you draw the line. How did she make birth control in the early 1900s? I'm going to tell you. With her second husband, Humphrey. Oh, God. But he was Humphrey. Humphrey really puts the hump in Humphrey. Imagine again, Jason Momoa or, uh, or uh, Matthew McConaughey, but their name is Humphrey. <laughs> and who is she I don't think they'd be by? famous. Seriously. Humphrey and her, they founded the first birth control clinic in Britain. She edited the newsletter Birth Control News, which gave explicit practical advice. Her sex manual, oh baby, Married Love, in 1918 was controversial and influential and brought the subject of birth control into wide public discourse. Stopes publicly opposed abortion, arguing that the prevention of conception was all that was needed, though her actions in private were at odds with her public pronouncements. Isn't that always the way it is? What does that mean? She was aborting them left and right? I don't know. I didn't see that, but I didn't, I didn't really dive into that. Tell me about eugenics. So, well, first you asked about how they're doing birth control. Oh, right. So, what they did, this is 1921 when this birth control clinic opened. They um, offered mother's birth control advice and it said, you know, pull the dick out, lady. <laughs> it taught them birth control methods and dispensed Stopes own quote, pro-race, and later the, quote, racial cervical caps. Yeah, oh, yeah. Get it? She's wanting to prevent the births of people of other races. Oh, wait, that's what she wanted to do? That's how I take it. Let's find out. Uh, the free clinic was open to all married women. Stopes opposed abortion. She tried to discover alternatives for families and increase knowledge about birth control and the reproductive system. Think about teaching about the reproductive system in 1921. They'd be like, um, so the dragon inside your vagina no. pulls the, they had, the dick. They had animals. They probably knew, they probably knew better than you did. 
I'd seen uh, animals do all kinds of crazy then. stuff to each other. It's true. We have a lot of respect for our animal female listeners. Options included the cervical cap, which was the most popular. Coitus interruptus. <laughs> so wait, the cervical, interruptus. cervical cap is a little hat for your cervix and coitus interruptus is pulling it out. Is that what it is? Well, you're humping and you like interrupt it. <laughs> I know, but is that like the scientific phrase for it? I don't, I didn't look it up. I'm looking it up. Coitus interruptus. Well, while you're doing that, she also promoted spermicides based on soap and oil. And she rediscovered the use of olive oil soaked sponges as an alternative birth control. <laughs> it is pulling out. With the, it's the withdrawal method. Coitus interrupted. The withdrawal method of contraception, coitus interruptus, is the practice of withdrawing the penis from the vagina and away from a woman's external genitals before ejaculation to prevent pregnancy. Hmm. The goal of the withdrawal method, also called pulling out is to prevent sperm from entering the vagina. It's not as effective in preventing pregnancy as other forms of birth control. I guess it's like better than nothing, right? But it's not foolproof. Right. Coitus interruptus sounds okay. like um, when you're watching Wile E. Coyote cartoons and they, at the beginning, when they were chasing each other, they used to freeze and then it would say like mm-hmm. a silly like Latin name, you know, for the animal. Yeah, I know what you mean. Be like if you're humping, you know... Uh, What's her name? Do you have to say it like that? Because well, her, her, her guy's name was Marie and, and uh, Humphrey, Humphrey Stopes <laughs> or Humphrey in a way and then it freeze yeah. frames and they both like look at the camera with a like a oh, surprise look on their face and it says ding coitus interruptus. <laughs> the first thing they'd say probably is what the fuck is that looking at the camera? Marie Stopes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about her... Uh, eugenics what are eugenics brandon tell the folks at home real quick i don't know i don't know how to explain eugenics it's bad though it's basically yeah it's basically um it's eliminating people through breeding like selective breeding right i guess i don't know it's bad don't do it so in her biography of marie stopes june rose claimed marie was an elitist and idealist interested in creating a society in which only the best and beautiful should survive her particular efforts to provide birth control for the poor had far more to do with her eugenic concerns about the impending, quote, racial darkness that the adoption of contraception promised to illuminate. She thought that only, like, the smart and beautiful and should white. be procreating. Okay, well, yes. she might have been smart, she might have been white, but I looked her up and she is unfuckable. Careful, careful. Let me look her up. I mean, I don't know. I've seen worse. Okay, but... I've seen worse. <laughs> no. I, I just love thinking about this lady telling people to pull their dicks out. She sucks. Okay, well, anyway, uh, you're going to love this, that when Marie Stopes died at age 77 in 1958 from breast cancer uh, at her home in Dorking, Surrey, her will left her clinic to the Eugenics Society. Most of her estate went to the Royal Society of Literature, and then her son, Harry, received a copy of her dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> you dumbass. You don't know any words and you can't spell. Here's a book. She left her fortunes to the Eugenic Society and her son a dictionary that she owned. Why did she hate her kid? I mean, maybe she thought there's no greater gift than the gift of education. Well, there is. 
There is. It's a bunch of money. Yeah. The better gift than a bunch of education is a shitload of money because then you don't need an education. Okay. Let me get, uh, do you want to try any more guesses or you think you're out? Queen Elizabeth II. You already said her, oh. I think, right? No, or I didn't. Maybe not, but no, she's not in Elizabeth here. Hurley. No. Are there <laughs> any other models? No. Okay, hold on. I got to scratch out a bunch of guesses. Mm-hmm. Adele. That's the real number one. 1A. What, you guessed 1B earlier. Well, now I'm out. All right. Let's tell old, you about number seven. Your game of guess old British ladies has, has come to a stalemate. Uh, the Baroness. This person was made the Baroness by Queen Victoria. Okay. Does that ring a bell? No. In 1837, she became one of the wealthiest women in England when she inherited her grandfather's fortune of around 1.8 million euros, the equivalent of 160 million today. She was a pioneer in social housing, building homes for the poor, and financed numerous projects, including the redevelopment of East London. Spent the majority of her wealth on scholarships, endowments, and a wide range of philanthropic causes. She co-founded with Charles Dickens a home for young women who had turned to the life of immortality. Or, immorality. <laughs> they turned into fucking vampires? <laughs> uh, okay, it's Angela Burdett Coutts. Oh, she yeah. just did a bunch of bunch of wholesome shit for people. That's it. She died in 1906. Well. She's number seven. She sounded nice. She was friends yeah. with Charles Dickens. Yeah. Do you like old Mr. Dickens? I bet you do. Fucking pervert. <laughs> you need number five and four and three. Hmm. All right. This person you may have heard of. She was an English chemist, an X-ray crystallographer, whose work was central to the understanding of the molecular structures of DNA and RNA and viruses and coal and graphite. Oh. When it comes to DNA, I know those two ugly guys, Watson and Crick. Yes, she, she worked with them. Two ugly man nerds who, d who figured out it was a double helix. Yes, but they uh, were able to do that from, because of her work. And then this lady. Rosalind Franklin. Oh, yeah, I didn't know her name. When the double helix structure of DNA was discovered, scientists claimed that they had unraveled the secret of life itself. The crucial piece of evidence was provided by the expert crystallographer Rosalind Franklin. The famous photograph 51, an x-ray picture showing a dark cross of dots, the signature image of a concealed molecular spiral. Oh, that's cool. Let me ask you this. She basically took a picture of DNA. Right. She is the woman who took the x-ray photo for them to like either determine that their theory was correct or to look at it and say like oh that's what it fucking looks like so how, what does it say that they could discover the secret of life itself the dna and whatever this was like the 40s or 50s probably but black people still had to sit at the back of the bus at the same time it's like on the left side of the of the ledger humans were making so much progress and on the right side they were Fucking not stupid progressing as hell. at all well, or too I'm, slowly. Yeah. Well, guess now I got a phone in my pocket that can like. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's a great example. Yeah, and I can't finish any of these thoughts, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. Cool phone in my pocket, and dum dums have a phone too. I found the picture of her X-ray. Send it to me. And I did not remember her name, but I do remember this image from learning about DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. It's crazy, right? Can't believe they were able to get that. Like an itty-bitty little, yeah. Science, man. 
Too bad only some of science is real. Yeah, too bad it's a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> the life-changing innovations that followed the, this, this discovery of DNA included mapping the human genome, test tube babies, genetic engineering. They all depend on the understanding, chemical foundations of hereditary. Franklin was best described as, so now about her personal life. She was best described as an agnostic. Her lack of religious faith apparently did not stem from anyone's influence, rather from her own line of thinking. Yeah, she's a scientist. Her mother recalled that she refused to believe in the existence of God and remarked, well, anyhow, how do you know he isn't she? Because the Bible says so. (laughs) Yeah, I like Rosalind. She's great. Yeah. Now, tell me if you still like her after this. She initially blamed Winston Churchill for inciting the war. Uh, yeah. I think she's probably got a couple points there. Uh, She did not seem to have an intimate relationship with anyone in her whole life and always kept her deepest feelings to herself. Mm -hmm. After her younger days, she avoided close friendships with the opposite sex. So, she never had a... She probably died a virgin, which is fine. Yeah. Just interesting. She did die at a young age in uh, 1958 in Chelsea, London of ovarian cancer and exposure to x-ray radiation is sometimes considered to be the possible factor. Now, Franklin was instrumental, would you agree, in the DNA and RNA stuff, but she was never nominated for a Nobel Prize, but her uh, associates were, including Crick and Watson. She died in 1958, and during her lifetime, the DNA structure was not considered to be fully proven. It wasn't until after she died that general acceptance of the DNA double helix was, she accept- died? Uh, was ovarian cancer. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. But her uh, colleague, Aaron Klug, did win a Nobel Prize, and it was said that and it's based on her work. So, anyway, basically, she should have won a Nobel Prize. Can you win a Nobel Prize posthumously? I don't know. I think you can, but you probably would have had to have died extremely recently. Mm. Like, they probably won't give it next year to, like, the caveman who discovered the wheel. Cave woman. Like, hey, we never, we never gave a shout out to that guy. You just need two more. I think you've heard of number four. Okay. It's a good last name. Like, could be a band name or a book title or a movie title or a romance novel title. Is it an author? No, she was the, considered to be the first computer programmer, a gifted mathematician. Oh, God. She is I believed to be, by some, to be the first to recognize that the machine had applications beyond pure calculation and published the first algorithm intended to be carried out by such a machine. As a result, she is often regarded as the first to recognize the full potential of computers. Okay. Ada Lovelace. And she's... Ada Lovelace. Is she like a... She's like a scientist. Mathematician. Okay. She died in 1852. So Wait, wh- They're doing computers in 1852. What the fuck? Is she a fucking time traveler? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Let's find out about her. Between 1842 and 1843, Ada translated an article on the calculating engine, supplementing it with an elaborate set of notes simply called notes. Lovelace's notes are important in the early history of computers, containing what money considered to be the first computer program, that is, an algorithm designed to be carried out by a machine. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, programming a machine. Yeah. Like, if you... And I think, like, the foundations of what she said served as the foundation for later computer programs. That is actually... Like, the way we think of computers. Right. Like, uh, do you know how a player piano works? I don't. No. A player piano, or at least the original, like, player piano, they play based on where holes are located in these sheets. So, the sheet turns, and when there's a hole there, it knows to play a note in a certain spot. 
and you have a long enough sheet with the holes in the right spots, it plays a whole song. You remember from Westworld, the sheets? Oh, yeah. 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 So, that would, I guess, be an example of like an early programming type thing. You have to put the holes in the right spots so that the machine plays the song. Yeah. Although this is way, I would assume this is way earlier and she's not thinking about playing music. She's thinking about like calculating shit. Nerd shit, in other she words. She wants to take the cotton gin and turn it into a thinking machine supercomputer. It sure beats like doing the dishes and other shit women at the time are doing. <laughs> she's like, you guys are just using this machine to, to get the seeds out of cotton. You could be fucking watching porn on this thing. Oh my God. Imagine how mind-blowing porn would have been at uh, 1840s farmers. <laughs> they would have just beat the computer to death and <laughs> run after <laughs> the animals again. Uh, she did have some scandals. Oh, yeah. Firstly, I looked from her, her up and she is... Yeah. She may be a mathematician, but she dresses like Lady Gaga. <sighs> okay, well, now I got to look her up. Doesn't she have a great name, though? Lovelace? Yeah. She's wearing this purple thing with some kind of thing going down the back. It's got all this black lace on it and feathers. Yeah. Oh, I see it. Yeah. She does not dress like a mathematician. She dre- or she dresses like the uh, Jeff Goldblum kind of mathematician. The fuck is that? Jeff Goldblum? When was he a mathematician? In Jurassic Park, he was like a rock and roll mathematician. Oh, was he a mathematician? Yeah. He was a statistician, which he was a math- is similar. He's a mathematician. And then yeah, he, well, he's a chaotician, chaotician, actually. No, he's a mathematician. Well, she you want to hear about cool. uh, Lovelace's scandals? Yeah. She had a relaxed approach to extramarital relationships with men. Oh, yeah. She uh, had a love of gambling. She apparently lost more than 3,000 euros on the horses. Nice. During the later 1840s. And the gambling led to her forming a syndicate with male friends and an ambitious attempt in 1851 to create a mathematical model for successful bets. This went disastrously wrong, <laughs> leaving her thousands of pounds in debt, forcing her to admit it all to her husband. She had a shadowy relationship. <laughs> Fucking shadowy relationship. What the hell does that even mean? She had a shadowy relationship with some guy in 1844. Uh-huh. And that guy destroyed most of their correspondence after her death, part of a legal agreement. And during her final illness, she would panic at the idea of her lover being kept from visiting her. So, she did die at age 36 in 1852 from uterine cancer, probably exasperated by the the genius physicians who did (laughs) bloodletting. Oh, that's Uh, how they helped her. You know know what's wrong with you? You got too much blood blood in in you. you. (laughs) Let's get some of this shit out of here. Uh, I'd like to know who first thought of that. I mean, I guess it makes sense if, you know, logically... Your blood's yeah, making, if the blood's you, making sick. you sick, then get it out. Like, well, how do you know it's the blood? Trust me. I've been doing this a long time. How many people have you healed? Huh? How many people <laughs> have you cured? Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm cutting open your arm. Now, what was that again? <laughs> how many people have I what? Well, under her mother's influence, Ada had a religious transformation and was coerced into repenting of her previous conduct and making Annabella, her mother, her executor. Ada, when she died, she lost contact with her husband. After she confessed something to him on August 30th, a few months before she died, which caused him to abandon her bedside forever. Whoa. It is not known what she told him. Yeah. So that's pretty spicy, pretty sultry, pretty hot. Ada Lovelace, she's the hottest one in here, I she think. She said, I think your breath stinks. He <laughs> <laughs> said, all right, well, you can just die by yourself then. Enjoy that. <laughs> Uh, maybe she asked him to listen to the tennis podcast with her. 
he said, I, I'm going to go check it out right now. And then later on, they're like, how long have you been listening to tennis podcasts? He's like, hours. Is she okay? No, she's dead now. She passed. Or she didn't want to, he didn't want to listen at all and he told her he was going to and then never came back. Equally possible. Either way, he missed it. Yeah. Uh, the last one on here is number three, Emmeline Pankhurst. Have you heard of her? It's the uh, first time I've ever heard those sounds put together in that order <laughs> in my life. Emmeline Pankhurst lived between 1858-1928 and best remembered for organizing the UK suffrag- suffrag- suffragette? suffragette suffragette movement Which, and helping women win the right to vote. Suffragette, like the et part is something you put onto the feminized version of something that is like a, a guy thing to me. A man's word? Yeah. Like manfully voting? Yeah, like a man would be a suffrage or a suffrager. And a woman would be a suffragette. Oh, look, it's the cute, That's like, stupid. woman version. They're, the ro- they're not rockers. They're the rockettes. You know, actually, fuck that. Because I took French in high school, mm-hmm. and I know, like, other languages are the same way. Where there's a masculine and feminine version of the same fucking word. Mm-hmm. You don't like that? Like, it just complicates everything. Like, and there's also a proper and improper form of every word. I kind of like that in Spanish. But what, it just complicates everything. You're, you're abuelo and you're abuela. And then you have the diminutive for, uh, you can turn it into abuelita. <laughs> Stop it. I like it. I like Spanish. I think it would be more fun to speak Spanish. I think you could probably tell more jokes. I think you could probably say more silly things in Spanish than you can in English. Well, I'm going to make sure you're deported for saying that. You fucking un-American. <laughs> Look at all the options you get. I could call you, you know, instead of saying amigo, I could say mi amiga. And then you're a girl. I make you a you girl. You can do that now. You can do that in English. You're my friend who's Just a call girl. me a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when you rolled your R's on burrito? Burrito. <laughs> Fuck me. I don't know why. Burro. Tickles my dick every time. So, yeah, Emmeline Pankhurst. Well, let me finish telling you about Emmeline Pankhurst so we can end this. She was a charismatic leader and powerful orator. I fucking bet. <laughs> uh, she roused thousands of women to demand their democratic right in a mass movement that has been unparalleled in British history. She was named by Time one of the most 100 most important people of the 20th century, mm-hmm. stating that she shaped an idea of women for our time and she shook society in a new pattern from which there could be no going back. So, basically, she got suffrage for women in the... Uh, <laughs> All they had to do was ask for it, and so she did it. it Get easy. this, though. Originally, in 1918, the representation of the People Act granted votes to all men over the age of 21 and women over the age of 30. What? Men 21, women 30. This discrepancy was intended to ensure that men did not become minority voters as a consequence of the huge number of deaths suffered during the First World War. Well, maybe you guys shouldn't have been fucking shooting guns at each other and you wouldn't have all died. Yeah. That's a thought. The age of 30 was brought down to 21 like men in 1928. Um, but let me tell you, the most interesting part of uh, Miss Pankhurst is that she, uh, in doing all this to get women the right to vote, she endured 13 imprisonments. God damn. In fact, one of those times she was protesting with 300 women on Parliament Square. They were met with aggressive police force directed by Home Secretary Winston Churchill. See, I knew he was a dickhead. Under Churchill's leadership, officers punched the marchers, which were women, twisted arms, and pulled on women's breasts. Oh. 
I'm, that just sounds ouch. I'm sorry, but like of all the ways to get them to stop, that's like fucking terrible. Yeah. Handing out titty twisters. And the fucking assholes are probably like, oh, they'll love this. Women love it when you do this. Uh, but when imprisoned, yeah. she and others were often on hunger strikes. In prison, Pankhurst was horrified by the screams of women being force-fed during hunger strikes. In her autobiography, she wrote, quote, I shall never while I live forget the suffering I experienced during the days when those cries were ringing in my ears. And so, she was in prison 13 times. She was often released after several days because of her bad health. Hey, that's which, a pretty good plan. Uh, like, yeah, well, it, it I'm going to not eat, make myself sick, kick me out, fuck you, I'll be back. Yeah, and it led to the Cat and Mouse Act, which allowed similar releases for other suffra suffragettes facing ill health due to hunger strikes. Finally, she died at age 69 in 1928, but her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren have continued to work for women's rights to this day, and in the 2015 film Suffragette, Pankhurst is played by Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep was going to be one of my guesses. <laughs> of course she was played by Meryl Streep. Yeah. Meryl Streep likes to appear in movies where she has to wear a period costume, right? I think she looks for roles like that, yeah. She played Margaret Thatcher. She looks kind of like Margaret Thatcher. Oh, there you go. Number one, Meryl Streep. All right. Should I go back to the top 10? Yeah. Number 10, Marie Stopes, which was the eugenics lady founded the first <laughs> birth control clinic in Britain. You think eugenics is funny, Brandon? No, I would just think the eugenics lady. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine was Florence Nightingale. She was the founder of modern nursing. Number eight is Mary Wolfenstein slash Wollstonecraft. Uh -huh. She was the mother of Mary Shelley and also uh, one of the most important feminist writers of all time. Number seven was Angela Burdett Coutts, who uh, was made Baroness by Queen Victoria for her work on behalf of the poor. Number six was Margaret Thatcher, the first Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Number five was Rosalind Franklin, who helped with the discovery of DNA and a bunch of other shit. Number four is Ada Lovelace, who dressed like Lady Gaga, but also, what did she do? Oh, she was the first computer programmer, yeah. mathematician. And number three was Emmeline Pankhurst, the last one we talked about, who was in prison 13 times, helped women get suffrage in the United Kingdom. Number two was... Rosa Parks, who refused to get up from her bus seat. Said, deal with it. No, she said, you said that she said, kiss my ass. No, she said, deal with this. Part of the civil rights movement. Number one was Marie Curie, who uh, discovered a bunch of effective cures for cancer, founded the science of radioactivity. Her work wasn't the sexiest in the top 10, but it was perhaps the most... Sexy. Mm, like, mm, yeah, sexy in its own way. Mm-hmm. That's the top 10 most important women in history, according to fan voting of women proposed by experts in BBC History Magazine in 2018. There you go. Hooray. Hooray. What a way to come back with the Tennis Podcast. We're back in black, don't forget. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I thought we could close out with some podcast review skis. What do you say? Yeah, hit me with those. All right. Podcast reviews. First one from Schmitty052. On Apple Podcasts, quote, how many top 10 podcasts are out there? A lot, but this one has a great concept that makes it different than any other I've listened to. After I listened to one episode, I found myself wanting to listen to another. You may run into a few dad jokes along the way. What? But it's worth it. Highly recommend this podcast. Hey, 
are there other top 10 podcasts? Yeah, I, I, that struck me too because I remember when we first started, I was looking for those and I, th- I only found one or two and they are both inactive. So, I'd... Well, if you're out there and you also have a top 10 podcast, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, you'll be hearing from our lawyers. Our blue wire lawyers. We got some... Uh, yeah, we got these high-powered blue here. wire lawyers now. Um, thank you, Schmitty. And the dad jokes. You know, I'd like annoying my wife with dad jokes more than I like her laughing at my jokes. Yeah, I don't give a shit about the laugh. Yeah. It's all about the eye roll. It's my really. pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, one more here. This is from Red's Ramblings on Podchaser. Top tens are always great. Top tens with fucks and shits thrown in. Perfect. <laughs> But then, he, but then he takes an abrupt turn to end with, quote, Jim Carrey is king. <laughs> too much. Oh, I thought he was going to say too much cursing. <laughs> no, it's just the, like. Jim Carrey. He, likes oh, the, he must have liked that episode. The Jim Carrey episode, yes. So, yeah, we do top tens with some fucks and shits thrown in. I'll concede to that. We definitely do. That's definitely our uh, niche here on the Tennis Podcast. That's the seasoning in our podcast stew. Stirred by Typhoid Mary. And if you want your review read on a future episode of the show, just go to Apple Podcasts or go to podchaser.com. Rate us five stars, write a review, and we'll read it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Brandon, can you give our listeners any sort of sneak peek to the kind of list ideas rolling around in your head for this, I guess we'll call it this new season of the show? Well, no, because I haven't thought of anybody yet, but... It won't be spooky no. because we haven't yet gotten to Spooktober. Well, by the time your episode airs, it will. Wait, it is going to be Spooktober? All right, then. The next episode, yeah. That's why you- Spooktober. Then fuck it. That's what you got to look forward to. I'm coming up with something spooky to kick off Spooktober. And we're going to have to get extra spooky this Spooktober because Halloween is canceled. Why? On account of coronavirus. Don't you know that's a liberal hoax, Brandon, you fucking sucker? All right. Well, it'll be scarier than that. It has to be extra scary because it just does. Well, you can look forward to that on Spooktober starting next week. And the last thing I want to say before we leave is that I was recently a guest on the Customers Also Watched podcast. The episode came out on September 15th, so a few weeks ago now. I was the guest uh, on the show and we talked about the 70s movie Lady Ice. It's a jewel thief stealing movie and it sucks it stars donald sutherland and it's terrible and <laughs> what did it, it was, was really it so bad. bad it was good or was it just bad and bad it was bad and bad i mean there was definitely a few campy parts where i enjoyed it but for the most part we were me and the host erica were both just frustrated so did you rip that movie a new asshole i did and i filled it with ice <laughs> for lady ice so yeah that's lady ice listen to me on the customers also watched podcast it's a great podcast in general. They watch movies. So, they finish one movie like Lady Ice, for example, and then the suggestions that Amazon pops up at the end of the movie, it says the customers also watch list. They pick a movie from that and that's how the, that's the next episode. So, it's kind of like an endless cycle of uh, bad movies. Bad and good movies, but like uh, usually kind of off the beaten path movies, not mainstream or at least old. So, anyway, customers also watched. You should check it out and you should also fucking give us a high five for getting through this episode. I did it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks.